Hello, and welcome to The Disciple Life. I'm driving, so you may hear a little bit of noise. Let me buckle up so that we won't hear that noise. Um, I didn't have a chance to record any other time, so now that I'm on the road, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to record and talk about this past week's Bible study for those who missed it and for those who listen. Now, I, I don't... This is interesting what happened. I had been prepared. I had like 16 pages of note, notes on the subject of pride. And as I studied and got closer and closer to Bible study, it was, you know, 6 o'clock that evening, and we start at 7, and, and I just could not feel to teach what I had planned. I, maybe it was just meant for, to give me something. and But anyway, I couldn't feel it. So basically, I put those notes away, and I got out a piece of white um, copy paper, and I just started jotting down my thoughts as a as what pride was um, or, or what pride is and so I don't have all the scriptures and I can't as I'm reading as I'm driving here I can't pull them all up for you and read them to you I'm gonna give you all the topics and the gist of the Bible study but you're gonna have to go into your text and you're gonna have to pull up that scripture and read those passages to get a full understanding of what I'm gonna be talking about today um, so if you, and also, if you hear a little bit of noise, I'm driving. I'm just taking the time that I have. I don't, I don't know why my schedule seems to be so tight right now, but it just is. Uh, and so, oh, here's the other thing. I forgot to turn on my mic Thursday night. Um, it's just the way it is, y'all. <laughs> I forgot to turn on my mic. Samantha wasn't there to help me uh, remember those little details. And uh, we're lucky we had snacks because I almost forgot those two. Um, anyways, so so I'm talking about pride, and with this next seven or eight lessons and series of Bible studies, we're going through the seven deadly sins, and this is based off of a, a book that I was reading called The Seven Daily Sins by some guy that I can't remember right now. But anyway, it was really really good. It was really convicting me about my about my pride. See, the interesting thing about pride is it it tends to hide itself to kind of be covert in its actions, and it, it manifests in other ways that we wouldn't normally call call pride. Um, but also, you know, I'm going to be linking a document to this podcast when I upload it. It's got hundreds of examples of pride, and as I read through them, I'm actually probably going to be updating that before I upload it as I talk about that now. I'm going to go through that, and I'm going to adjust that document to have checkboxes. Um, at, at each one of those, and I want you to read through it and, and, and put a checkbox on where you feel like pride might get you. Because um, it really got me as I was reading through it. I don't have checkboxes now, but I know that if I was to put a pen on paper, and I would have plenty of check marks. But so, so pride. Pride goes along with disobedience pretty, pretty well. I mean, it kind of hand in hand and also lust the, the, these three pride lust and disobedience are some of the sins or well they're, they're the ones that kind of get us on a day on a daily basis as Christians and pride is one of the main ones uh, now just in the outset here I'm going to make a, a distinction that there's not there, there's pride in a bad way and then there's pride in a good way pride in the good way is you know hey my child did really good at their uh, their piano recital. They did very fantastic. I'm so proud of my child for doing so well. That's good pride. That's okay. 
But then the other concept is, oh, did y'all see how well my child did? They did so much better than everybody else. There was nobody there to compare to them. They were just leaps and bounds above anybody else. And, you know, that other kid that couldn't even hardly play the etude that they were, um, you know, scheduled to play, it wasn't that, wasn't that embarrassing for their parents. You see that the mentality difference, it's, it, it main, the main deal is a comparison thing. So there's some times when good pride is okay. It's, it's right to, be, to say I'm proud or I, I'm very proud of my child for accomplishing what they accomplished on their own and they did such a good job and, and we're limiting ourselves from comparing to others in that case. It's not about looking down on other. Pride, excuse me. Pride is about looking down on others. So at any point you look down on somebody else or try to lift yourself above somebody else, it's pride. Pride is simply defined as the excessive love of one's own excellence. It doesn't mean that you can't be proud of yourself, or, or you don't have to, you know, acknowledge that you're good at something, acknowledge that you're talented. You know, the truth is, is is that the opposite of pride or the the converse, the corresponding emotion to pride or whatever you want to call it there is, is humility. The way to combat or come against pride is to be humble. And you could read Philippians 2 and 3, Philippians 2 and 3 to kind of go along with that concept. But humanity really, oh, excuse me, I'm getting my notes mixed up here, my thoughts mixed up. Humility really has a lot to do with the word humanity. And so what, what that really entails is that somebody who's humble or humble, however you decide to say it, some people like to ignore the H, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, when you realize where you are and who you are and what you are and put yourself in the right position, you're a lot more likely to be humble. And, and by that, I mean, you have to also you have to realize that you are a part of humanity, that you are a created being who was created by a sovereign, perfect, all powerful master. We are not him. Right. So when we realize our place and get back into our humanity, we find humility. And that is our anecdote or our um, help against pride. Humility really is truth. And I want to make this point really quickly before I move on into some scripture. But humility means truth or has a, an, an, a, a big point of truth about it. So to be humble or humble, I have to be truthful. So that means that I'm not overestimating or underestimating my abilities, right? I've got to make sure that I... I'm not lying about my abilities. So if I'm, 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 this is a personal experience for me. I am somewhat talented in singing. I don't, I know I'm not the best singer in the world and I know I'm not the worst singer. I'm, I can hold my own when it comes to singing. It's one of my talents. Um, so for me to stand up and tell somebody I'm a terrible singer, trying to be humble, well, that actually turns me into, a, puts me into a prideful state because now I'm lying. I'm not being honest about my skills. Now, so what that means is that I don't need to underestimate or overestimate my abilities. I need to be realistic in what I do. And again, it's not about comparing myself to others. It's acknowledging that God has given me a talent and being honest and truthful about said talent so that, uh, you know, because I can use it for the kingdom of God. 
but everybody knows it's it's frustrating. You you know that there's a great singer in your midst, and I'm not talking about me at this point. I'm saying me, for example. I have walked up to people who I thought were great singers and said, hey, wow, you did such a good job tonight. Fantastic singing. And they immediately begin to say, oh, no, I, man, I, I didn't do good at all. I'm just, I'm so, I was terrible this evening. And, you know, well, first, now they're calling me a liar. They're saying I didn't really realize what I was understanding to be good singing. That wasn't really what you saw. And then they're also lying about their abilities. So anyway, humility means truth. So let's talk about, I want to give you just a few scriptures. And again, you're going to have to go look them up if you're listening here. But um, these are some scriptures about humility. Now, the Proverbs is just full of scriptures about humility and about pride and about what happens to the prideful. So I'm going to give you a few. Proverbs 13 and 10. Proverbs 13 and 10. Proverbs 11 and 2. 11 and 2. Proverbs 29, verse 23. 29 and 23. Proverbs 16 and 18. Proverbs 16 and 18. And Romans 12 and 16. Romans 12 and 16. These are just a few scriptures, um, mostly in the Old Testament. There's plenty to talk about pride and, and how God is against and how pride ends up being enmity against God. So, to begin off, begin here, we're going to start with Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. This is the temptation of Eve, where the serpent, being more subtle than any of the other creatures, convinces her that what God has said to her is a lie, a doubt. He seeds doubt in her, and he convinces her to take part and to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of truth of the tree of good and evil. And what he does is he, first and foremost, he seeds doubt by telling her that the word of God is incorrect. And then she, he, he shows her how she could be like a God. He said, God knows that the moment you eat this, you're not going to die. You'll be like him. And so what she does is she responds, I think it's verse five or six and says, well, I see that the tree is good to eat and it's pleasant to look at. And it's, uh, it's desirous to make one wise. I'm about to run off the road here. Um, it, it, it's these three things. This, The tree looks good. The tree makes me wise. And it's going to make me, uh, it's going to give me something to eat. So th these are these three, these three things that the devil, or that she uh, is tempted with. Matter of fact, John, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John 2 and 16 recounts those same exact things in the New Testament talks about the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. These three sins are, are, are mentioned in the New Testament, just like they were the ones that Eve failed to, right? These, these desires, these fleshly, visual, and, um, and prideful desires. So, uh, moving on to Luke 19, excuse me, Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. Now, this is the, the passage in the New Testament where Jesus is telling a parable about the Pharisee and the publican. It says the Pharisee comes into the church house and stomps and, and marauds up towards the front of the church, the altar, uh, per se. And he begins to uh, thank God that he is so blessed. And it's thank God that he is able to give tithes and gives offerings. And, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then he goes and says, and thank you that I'm not like this publican, that I'm not a sinner like this publican. 
And Jesus says, but the publican eases into the back of the church in humility and, and he's, he's, he can't even look towards heaven. He says he bows down and he smites himself on his chest and he says, oh, forgive me, God, for I am a sinner. You see the mentality change here. There's one who's comparing himself to others and there's one who is who's comparing himself only to himself, knowing that he's the one that's done the wrong and, and he wants forgiveness. And Jesus goes on right at the end of that passage, verse 14, and says there was one who has found mercy in the eyes of the Lord and one who did not. And, and if you'll read the passage, I think you'll have a good indication of who found the mercy. Moving, um, actually moving back a little bit in Scripture, but Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13. This is the temptation of Jesus. It's so interesting that the serpent, the subtle serpent, goes to Eve and he tempts her with those three things, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. And then the devil goes to Jesus and takes Jesus, or not takes Jesus, Jesus took himself out into a wilderness, it says, to be tempted of the devil. And he fasted to so somewhat to weaken himself to get to that point, I guess. And the devil tempts him in three ways, these exact same three ways. The first one was, he says, uh, he says, make, I, when, I know you're hungry, make these stones to be bread. You're, you're God, you can do this. And Jesus responds simply by saying, hey, the word says you can't live by bread alone. What the devil did here was the, was the lust of the flesh in this scenario. He was, he was hungry. He took that lust of the flesh and, and gave it to Jesus and offered it to him in temptation. And Jesus passed the test by recounting and quoting the word of God. And then uh, Jesus, excuse me, the, the devil takes Jesus onto a pinnacle and, and looks him out, looks him down across the ground and says, hey, jump off of this. You can, you can, uh, God is going to save you. Your angels are going to come to you and, and you're not going to die. And this is, this is the pride of life. This is like Eve saying, well, this is a tree that's going to make me wise. This was the devil playing onto Jesus's trying to get him to work against the pride of life or to fail to the pride of life, which says, well, look at me. I'm big God. I can do whatever I want to do. But, but Jesus says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He, he responds with Scripture. And then the final, and I don't think I'm in order exactly here, but then the, the third one is he takes him onto a mountaintop and he shows him all the worlds of the earth, all of the, all of the, the countries of the earth, and says, all you got to do is bow to me and you can have all of this. And this is the, the lust of the eyes. What's, he's trying to get Jesus to fail to the lust of the eyes. He's showing him things that Jesus may want. And so what happens is just like he did to Eve, the devil comes and does to Jesus. But Jesus did not fail like Eve failed. He was a perfect sinless being and he passed those tests. And so what we do, what we have is an example of how we don't have to fail to pride. Because if Jesus could do it, we can do it. Although it's a lot harder and we need him to do it. Um, it, it doesn't mean that it can't be done. So, what to do? I've got some what to do, or a what to do here, and then a list of seven things that we need to begin doing to help with our pride. And again, you're going to have to find some examples of pride to help you pick out your pride. But what to do? James 4 and 6, and James 4 and 10. You'll need to go read those scriptures. James 4 and 6, and 4 and 10. But then we've got seven ways to overcome. Now, this is not that we don't need the grace and mercy of God. If we don't have His finishing, uh, it, it cannot be done. Jesus, Jesus was the finisher, right? 
And so what we do when we start talking about these practical things that we can do to help with our pride, it is the draw nigh to Him scenario so that He can draw nigh to us. When we do these things, we are not able to complete it. We're not able to eradicate pride from ourselves and completely. But when we step towards Him in these ways, we know that He will step back towards us and He will fill in the gap. So seven ways to overcome as we finish up this episode today. 1 Timothy 4 and 16. 1 Timothy 4 and 16, this is number one, and that's be self-aware. Start thinking about yourself, in, in, and I don't mean being selfish, I mean think about how you respond to others. Think about how you might brag in certain scenarios. Think about how you might refuse help. Or think about how in situations you could act better than you do. Start being self-aware. Awareness of how you act in these situations. Number two, Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Galatians 6, 4 and 5. Stop comparing yourself to others. To eradicate pride, we've got to begin with starting starting to, to only compare ourselves to us or to the, the Word of God. The, the word that Jesus put out for us as our, as our standard, as our comparison. Other people are not our standard. They are not our comparison points. We have to use the word and the word alone uh, and ourselves. We, we've got to compare ourselves only to us. That's that good pride, bad pride scenario. Number three, I don't have a scripture passage, but Brother Urshan talked about it Wednesday night, talking about submission. Well, that means get under, what our, our number three is follow someone's leadership. And we have some of the best leadership in our church uh, to follow. Now, I can't sit here and, and lie to you and say that none of our leadership has any points of pride. But what I can tell you is that they are all working against it. They are all trying to limit and eradicate pride from their life. And, and for me, that makes it easy for me to follow someone when I'm also on the same path. So thank God for our leaders in our ministry who, who do who are a good representation of what we should be. Number four, Galatians chapter six and two, let people help you. This is a big one. We're, we're so prideful, a lot of us, that we, we, we probably truly do need help in some scenarios. And, and then a good Christian, a good brother, a good sister comes and offers us a little bit of help, but we refuse it because we're too prideful to accept that help. Um, Galatians six and two on that one. Number five, Ephesians 4 and 29. Number 5, Ephesians 4 and 29 is praise others. When you praise others and you give other people accolades, what it's doing is it's helping you to become less selfish. Not being self-aware, being less selfish. You're, you're not thinking about yourself so often and you're, and you're thinking about praising others. It's that scenario when somebody comes off the platform and they've sang really good and you feel the need to go praise them. That'll help you with your pride. And it will test their pride. It's such a fantastic uh, series of events there. Um, number six, 1 Peter 4 and 10, serve others. Be a servant. The, one of the best ways to help with your, to add humility into your life is to be a servant. And, and anyway, read the passage and, and consider that for yourself. That's why we've got ladies groups and men's groups and men's work nights. And we've got Bible study teachers and we've got uh, people who invite others over to their house for dinner fellowship and all these things. We're, we're attempting to be a servant-minded people. And finally, number seven, Ephesians 4 and 32, forgive others. 
If you can't forgive somebody, it's pride that's the the issue. You're you're either too good to give forgive them, or you're you're not good enough to forgive them in, in your own mind, right? And so, what I would encourage you to do is to forgive others. So let's recount recount really quickly, summarize. To help with our pride, draw nigh to Him so that He can draw nigh to us. We need to be self-aware. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. Follow somebody's good leadership. Let people help you. Praise others. Serve others. And forgive others. If you'll start, start doing some of these things, God will start helping us with our pride. He'll start letting you know where your pride is at and, and where these places of pride might be. Right. And so um, I'm thankful for you. I, I do miss the ones who weren't able to come to Bible study Thursday night. I hope that this little short podcast episode is going to be enough to get our point across with the pride lesson. Uh, and again, I will be uploading or texting the document with the checkpoints as soon as I get that done. I don't have it done yet. So uh, maybe I'll put it in the link description. Hopefully I'll have it in the link description by the time you listen to it. But if not, check back in a day or two. And we'll make that happen. God bless you and thank you for listening to The Disciple Life.